Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We have now reached 30,000 feet. You may now use all your electronic devices, including your laptop. I uh, just wanted to start out um, by asking you guys, how are you enjoying this sermon series? You enjoying it? I've heard some, some really good things um, coming out of it, some things that people are lear- learning about and growing in, and just some comments from um, our community online. And um, I just want to say this, though. I know that the last couple of weeks, some of the topics were not not fuzzy good feeling (laughs) and may actually seem pretty difficult and some people may be thinking how in the world am I going to do that (laughs) that it just seems unrealistic almost impossible so I want to uh, remind you that um you know God does ask us to do some hard things he does uh, like living contrary to the uh, mindset and the systems of this world it can be difficult sometimes it can be challenging but I do, I do want to say that I'm so grateful to God for this, that he doesn't tell us to do things and then just say, good luck. <laughs> he doesn't just leave us to our own devices. Uh, scripture tells us that um, he gives us the ability to do everything that he's asking and requiring of us. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter says that uh, we've been given everything that we need for life and godliness to live a godly life. We've been given everything that we need. We have the Holy Spirit who is our power. He doesn't just give us power. He is our power. (laughs) He is the one who enables us to do uh, what we have been called to do. And so what we have to do is we have to listen to him. We cooperate with him. And then those things that seem impossible in the natural become possible. Amen. So I just want us to keep that in mind as we continue on uh, in this series, as we press on in the word today. Uh, One of the lines of one of the songs um, that we sang today said, God is for me. He is for me. He's for me. And I remember growing up, there was a plaque um, in our hallway, and it said, if God is for me, who can be against me? And I just remember every time I walked down that hallway past that plaque, it was just so comforting to know that God is is for me. He's not setting me up for failure. He's for me. He's championing me on. And so um, let's just keep that in mind as we travel on in this series today. So uh, we are going to um, start a new chapter. We're in chapter six this morning. Uh, We finished up chapter five. And um, I just want to make some comparisons and contrasts. Chapter five dealt with the what, the what we should do. Um, Chapter 6 deals with the how. The individual does what is right, but they also do it in the right way. Uh, Chapter 5 contained seven different commands, most of which started with, you have heard it said, but I say. Uh, Chapter 6 now lists three devotions or practices for the believer. Um, It talks about doing good and giving, talks about prayer, talks about fasting. So today we're going to take a look at the first practice or at the first 
devotion, which is doing good. So turn with me, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, and let's read. Matthew chapter 6, 1 to 4, it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So chapter 6 starts out with a warning or a caution. It really sets up not just the subsequent uh, scriptures on the practice of doing good, but it really sets up the entire rest of the chapter when we're thinking about prayer and fasting. So it starts out with this caution, don't do your righteousness to be seen by others. You know, there's a quote by uh, Martin Luther that really caused me to pause for a moment, and I want us to read that together. It says, Luther often insisted that our righteousness is more dangerous than our sin, for righteousness can serve the most self-centered of all human desires, self-glorification. I just had to let that sink in for a minute. That right living can become wrong living when we do it to glorify ourselves. And the right thing can actually become the wrong thing when it's done for the wrong reason. It can be so easy to start taking credit for our righteousness, self-righteousness. It can be so subtle, but it truly is dangerous. Self-righteousness exalts self, and it really says what I'm doing is right, and if you just pattern your practices after me, well, you can be right too. The focus is on self. And uh, we know as believers that there's just no room for self-righteousness in our lives. Christ is our righteousness. The sacrifice that he made on the cross when he died for us, purchased redemption for us, allowed us to be in right standing with the Father, that's where our righteousness comes from. It comes from that and that alone. So Jesus warns us, he starts this chapter out, and he says, don't do your right living to be seen by men and to gain their approval. He warns us not to do our right living so that we can be proud of ourselves or puffed up because of what we've done. Jesus says in verse 1, there will be no reward from the Father for that type of thinking or for that way of living. So again, this caution, he starts out talking about doing good, but really it applies to every other practice that will be talked about later on in this chapter. So then as we look at verses two to four, I want to focus on two things this morning. The first of which is this, point number one, there is an expectation that we will do good. There is an expectation that we will do good. Verse two says this, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. 
And I want you to notice that Jesus does not say if, if you get around to doing good. He says when you do good. There is an expectation that we're going to do good. Now, in this culture, giving alms was a common practice. And giving alms, that that term, that phrase can be translated into doing charity. So really, it means any good deed that is intended to serve others who are in need. So I want us to take a look at Ephesians 2.10 to see what that says. It's a great scripture. Um, little, it's worded a little bit different depending on what translation you're reading. I'm reading from the NIV. So Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork. Um, some translations say we are his masterpiece, which I like that. Uh, we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were created to do good works. Created. Now, when I looked up the Greek words for um, good works, this is what I actually found. It means good works. <laughs> There's no hidden meaning there. We were created to do some good stuff. We were created to do good works. Now, some of these good works are specific to you. They're specific to me, uh, depending on what God has called us to Um, how he's designed us, how he's gifted us. So some of those good works are very specific, but then there are other good works that are intended for every single believer, as shown to us in scripture. Uh, If you were to do a word search of these words, give, help, serve, if you look those words up in the Bible and looked at every time that they are present, it won't take you very long to realize that these words are descriptive of how followers of Christ should live. Uh, A man by the name of J.C. Riley says this, a giving savior should have giving disciples. Just makes sense, right? A giving savior should have giving disciples. And I just want to pause for a minute and say that during a time of crisis, um, as we're in right now, it's only natural to lean towards self-preservation Now, I want to make sure that I need to make sure that I have what I need, and I need to make sure that my family has what they need, and and that's correct. You should. That's that's very understandable. We do want to make sure that we're taking care of our own families and ourselves, Um, but it just did my heart so good, especially at the beginning of this pandemic, to see how people were taking care of each other, to to see how people were meeting the needs of other people, and sometimes in very unique ways. And uh, people were going out of their way to care for one another. And I I loved seeing that. I loved seeing it. And um, I realized that as time has gone on, many of us have become weary. It's like there's just no end in sight. When is it ever going to end? But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage myself this morning. Do not stop doing good. Do not stop doing good. I pray that we would not become weary in well-doing, as Galatians 6, 9 encourages us. Let's look for opportunities to do good. Let's be intentional about asking God to bring, to use us to bring help and relief to other people. There are so many people in this world, it's, I mean, especially now, who just need to see the love of God in action. Not, not words. <laughs> I'm, for one, done with words. I, we need to see the love of God in action. So many in this world need to see that. Now, some may um, hear a sermon like this and think, well, I mean, 
Honestly, I'm just being honest. Does that mean that I'm supposed to stop every time I see a homeless person? I mean, am I supposed to give to every charity that asks? I mean, what exactly does that mean? There's just so much need, and, and I'm just one person. And I would say a couple of things to that. The first thing is, can we help just one? <laughs> can, we help just one can we start there, helping one person or helping one group of people? And then here's another thing. God is so eager to speak to us if we will just ask him. So can we begin asking him, God, what is it that you want me to put my hand to? What is it that you want me to do? Who have you put in my path? I'm telling you, if you ask him, he will answer. He will. And the third thing is that the Holy Spirit is able and willing to lead us and guide us to do the things of the Lord. And so again, we lean in and we trust that the Holy Spirit, we've prayed about it. Now we trust that the Holy Spirit is going to lead us to do exactly what it is that God has called us to do. I tell you, it's, it's amazing to be a part of what God will do in the life of others when we allow him to use us. We have the opportunity, not the chore, not the burden, we have the opportunity to be the vessel through which God meets the needs of others in this world. Amen? That's, I mean, the church, we have to lead in that. We're not going to follow. We're not going to follow society and see what they're doing. The church, children of God, we're going to take a lead in that, right? We're going to allow ourselves to be vessels. Because as J.C. Riley stated, giving disciples, that's who we're going to be. Why? Because we have a giving Savior. We're going to be a reflection of him in this world. So, number one, there is an expectation here in this passage that we are going to do good. Jesus said, when you do good. But there's also something else that I want us to take a look at. Point number two, there must be one motivation when we do good. There must be one motivation. Let's take a look at the final two verses that we're going to uh, tackle this morning, verses three and four. It says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, there are a few thoughts um, on what this business of not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I uh, looked up some commentaries, and there are a variety of thoughts. Uh, the first one is this. Uh, some say that this is somewhat literal, um, that uh, at the temple entrance, um, the box where people gave was on the right-hand side. So um, Jesus, some interpret this um, to say that Jesus says, when you're putting your money in, the box is over here on the right, when you're putting your money in, do it in such a way, um, do it in such a, a non-demonstrative way that your left hand really doesn't even know that you did it. You kind of just walk in, you slip in, you just keep going. Okay, so that's how some people interpret it, um, somewhat literal. Another interpretation, um, others maintain that it is strictly figurative. It symbolizes the private manner in which our good works are to be done. And then the last interpretation, this was a new one for me. I hadn't heard this one before. Others assert that the right hand symbolizes good works, the left hand symbolizes our righteousness or spirituality, and that we're not to equate the two. We don't say, I gave, so I'm more spiritual. Oh, look, at look, I gave, I'm more spiritual, I'm more righteous, which I like that one. 
<laughs> um, I think there's merit in all three, uh, but whichever way that you lean, whichever meaning you gravitate toward, I think it's worth asking this question. And I've even um, asked this question myself. Is it ever okay for people to see that we are giving or that we are helping? Is it ever okay to tell people that we've done it? Um, is everything supposed to be done in secret? And if so, how is that even possible? <laughs> right? Um, I don't believe that scripture is saying that, um, that other people should never see us doing good or they should never know that we've done something good. Um, a few weeks ago, a group of people went down to the Children's Hunger Fund. Another group went down to SA Heels. And um, we even made a video of it <laughs> and showed it so that other people could see um, how the day went. Was that wrong? I really don't believe that. In fact, Scripture, I think, speaks directly to that. Matthew 5.16 says this. It's a common verse. It says, let your light shine before others. Let it so shine, some translations say. Let your light so shine before men that they may do what? They may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father. They may see your good works, glorify the Father. So then what do we make of all this left-hand, right-hand business? Um, I believe that Jesus, as he most often does, is just getting right down to the heart of the matter. <laughs> I believe that he's talking about our motivation for doing good. Uh, scripture tells us in 1 Samuel 16 that man looks at the outward. But what does God look at? He looks at the heart. He has always and will always be more concerned about our heart. So when it comes to our motivation for doing good, I think we need to ask ourselves some questions. Is my motivation to be seen? Am I doing this good work to be seen? Am I doing it to feel good about myself? Is my motivation uh, to make up for falling short in some other area of my life? Well, I yelled at my kids this morning, I better give extra in the offering so to make up for some shortcoming in other area. Is the motivation to earn God's love or favor? See, it's a heart, it's a heart issue. What is our motive for doing good? I think Jesus is drilling down and getting right at the heart of the matter. And I think we know that none of the things that I have listed should be our motivation for doing good. Our motive for doing good, any deed, that we do has to stem from our love for God, right? John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. God was motivated by love. He loved us so much that he did something. He gave. Our love for God must motivate us to do the same. We love him, so we give. We love him, so we serve. Our giving are doing good works, are meeting the needs of others, allowing ourselves to be a vessel that God can use, all of it flows out of our relationship with God. Relationship comes first, the works, the good deeds, they flow out of that. Now, we don't give um, to get. We don't give in order to receive his grace or forgiveness. But I do want us to pay attention to something. I don't want us to just overlook something that scripture says. Um, Scripture says there is a reward. <laughs> there is a reward for those who give out of love toward others and for the glory of God. Jesus says in the scripture 
um, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Listen to this statement um, made uh, in a commentary on the book of Matthew. It says this, it is important that believers know that their heavenly father notices what they do. Disciples should know that their sacrifices are worth it, that when they buck public opinion and avoid visibility, that there is still a response somewhere. Human beings are made with a desire to be seen and known. Jesus does not eliminate that desire. He redirects it. I love that. He doesn't eliminate that desire to be seen, to be known. We are seen by our God. We are known by him. He just redirects that desire. And so now our desire becomes a longing to be seen and known by God and not by man. He redirects that desire. Now, scripture doesn't go into detail um, here about what that reward looks like. Um, It could be a greater closeness with God. It could be tangible things. Uh, It could be greater influence. Uh, more open doors. Scripture really doesn't say here what that reward will be. But what we do know is that God sees, and Scripture says, he will reward. And his reward is so much greater than the temporary satisfaction of just being seen. Right? His reward is so much greater, even if it's not a tangible reward. Closeness with our Father. Man, <laughs> I'd give anything for that. His reward is so much greater, so much greater. For God so loved this world that he gave. His motivation was love. As his children, we are to give, we are to do good, and our motivation must also be love. I want us to ask God today, and we're going to stop for a moment and actually do what we're saying (laughs) We're going to stop for a moment and just ask God some questions. Lord, who can I be a blessing to today? Please mean it (laughs) because he will show you. I hope we truly ask that question with the intention of following through. Lord, who can I be a blessing to? Who needs help? Who have you already put in my path? Don't wait to be asked. Don't wait till there's something going on at the church or in your neighborhood. Ask him and then be ready to move on that thing. We don't need permission to do good. The Father has already spoken. We were created to do good. So let's get busy doing that. Let's not do it for our own glory, but for the glory of his name. He is so worthy of our praises. So worthy. For God so loved the world. Amen. Amen. Let's just take a minute. Let's just take a minute. And I truly, truly, just in all sincerity, if you don't mean it, don't pray it. I hope you pray it.